Five, four, three, two, one. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to. To fight the battles that we never could. So that means right? it is the way. Oh wait, sorry, <laughs> wrong department of the building. I have spoken. That would only be for the podcast with Andy Evan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good okay. job. Yeah, I thought we killed it. Yep. <laughs> so finally, we get to uh, continue on the journey. Um, and next up, our film is Ant Man from. Ant-Man from 2015 um, it's sort of a interesting next step after Age of Ultron which we talked about last time which I loved Tim what were your thoughts on the next step in the MCU okay so this is I guess I was looking when I watched it back a couple nights ago on Disney plus, and we're still in phase two, I gather. So this is taking us out of phase two. I was thinking that ended with Avengers age of Ultron, but then I remembered, Oh no, they put that, that up movie after, you know, your big Avengers installment mm-hmm. as really that, that, um, that line in the sand, kind of a um, palate cleanser in some ways uh, mm-hmm. before kicking off their next phase. I remember this one had like a really long sort of turbulent development history. Yes. Originally Edgar Wright was attached to write and direct. Um, People know him from Shaun of the Dead. Uh, What else? Hot Fuzz. Um, uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Right. Um, World's End. World's End. There we go. Yeah. Those kind movies. And that goes all the way back to 2006. He was first attached to Ant-Man. And it's like, I I don't know, like, leave the delicate genius to work. And he still <laughs> hadn't come up with anything for, you know, the better part of nine years. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. That's weird, right? It is hmm. weird. I, maybe it's he, did, he really just didn't want to work within that right. system, the studio mm-hmm. machine that the Marvel Cinematic Universe became. I mean, I, I don't want to speculate or, or say that, you know, he was a prima donna about it or anything. Um, I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, his involvement goes back a long ways before the MCU was even the MCU. Um, but it's a, it's a weird choice, Ant-Man. It's like not, he's not a marquee character, uh, mm-hmm. kind of similar to, you don't think of the Guardians of the Galaxy as being marquee characters either this is yet another example of 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe working with what it has available. Um, so not a huge name, Ant-Man. Uh, longtime Avengers character, supporting character, uh, but with a very visually interesting gimmick. So mm-hmm. can make for a decent movie, potentially. So yeah, it was like it's sort of a weird choice. I wasn't sure what to really expect from it. He's one of those not anybody's favorite character, really. Well, mm-hmm. probably somebody out there, but <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those kind of middle of the road. Someone that's things. really short may be into him. Perhaps so. <laughs> Perhaps maybe it's a, a height complex thing. Um so yeah, you, you aren't really sure what to to make of this character or this movie going in. Um, I think people had their expectations, I don't know, somewhere in the middle. I, I feel like I did. And coming out of Avengers Age of Ultron, I know that wasn't everybody's first, everybody's favorite movie in the world, but um, yeah, we're going with a, a different, going in a different direction now. So let's all recalibrate. Scott, did the did the MCU have any leeway with you? Like, did you trust them to like bring you another great, you know, unknown or you know, B list character and make them great? Well, um, I didn't know a ton about Ant Man, Ant Man, uh, early on. I didn't read it. I didn't read the books. I know of Hank Pym because wasn't he an X Men or worked with the X Men? Um, so I kind of knew the name but I didn't really know the character. So I was a little cloudy on it. I know for a fact that um, uh, I know Stan wanted to do, again, this goes back to the late eighties, but I remember hearing in the early two thousands, even before uh, Spider-Man came out, the first Toby that Howard Stern wanted to buy the rights to Ant-Man, which would have been a, I don't know if he was going to change it to Fartman, Fartman, Fartman. Fartman? I don't know. Fartman. But uh, that would have been it. I mean, as much as I love Howard, that would have been a fucking disaster. So thank God that didn't happen. Um, Other than that, I really I I was I I like the palate cleanser idea. We did it. You know, it's we really haven't seen it um, before. I mean, after the first Avengers movie, um, we had we had we went right into the third Tony. So we didn't have a break. And then um, pretty much phase two, for the most part, has been all sequels, except Guardians. And so I was I was excited about a different kind of movie, particularly after. Let's put it this way. It was good to put this where it is in the in the rotation, because if this went after uh, somebody's debut movie, which was really, really good, this would have gotten totally lost in the shuffle and probably not gotten as respected as it probably does. So putting it uh, Tim made a good. Uh, a good point about that palette cleansing Ultron considering what happens at the end and, and how that's going to play out, which we'll talk about in the next, our next uh, episode. Um, this was probably a good time to kind of pump the brakes and do something simpler. We'll get more into that. When we talk about the plot, but um, yeah, I trusted anything these guys did at this point because nothing's been terrible. Ultron. No, was not my favorite movie. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't my favorite. Um, but I was confident that, that the, the train would continue. Um, but for me personally, I didn't have a real, um, kind of like Jr. I didn't have a real, uh, uh, frame of reference for Ant-Man. And mm-hmm. him. so I was fine. Whatever was going to come my way, our way. Justin, do you think it was a palate cleanser as well? Yeah, it seemed that way. Um, <clears throat> I definitely had a initial issues with the idea of Ant-Man, like, 
back in my dalliance reading <clears throat> kind of the older comic stuff when I was uh, did that a few years ago. I did read a couple of his and it just always seemed like odd to me. And I think I kind of touched on this in the past with, um, was my issue with the kind of the giant? Wasn't there one I had an issue with them? Yeah, like Hulk. Oh, Hulk. It was yeah. Hulk. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this this kind of goes the other way. Um, where Ant Man to me always felt like, eh, like can I really get into a superhero that's just like super tiny? Like I I guess I just didn't really understand uh, like what goes into it and <clears throat> what he could do as a superpower. I didn't really fully understand the ant piece, you know. I just right. uh, it's, it, it just seemed like a, a stretch of a character to me, like at that point. That was before seeing the movie and all that. I actually remember this movie coming out. Um, I don't remember all of them coming out. This is one I do remember, probably because of Paul Rudd's involvement. Right. I thought it was like interesting casting, like seeing him be involved mm-hmm. in this, and it made me think, like, is it? like a comedy is it not like the other ones you know like i still i didn't know enough to know that these were all really linked and like all part of a bigger story so i think i just assumed it was just like a standalone kind of comedic which i mean it kind of is you know more comedic than some of the others but uh i didn't realize it would take part and play a part in a bigger um overarching story so but i can just say over in general i was never like from what i knew about the idea of ant-man wasn't like super enticing to me I wonder if they even knew that this film and its concepts would be overarching, you know, by the end game. Um, so that's interesting to track, too. And um, speaking of Paul Rudd, what did we all think about his casting? Uh, personally, I adore him and think he can do no wrong. And I adored this casting choice. Uh I assume we are all in agreement. I can't imagine anybody not enjoying Paul Rudd. So, no, he was great in this, and um, you know he's he's a comedic actor, but he's just you know he's good enough at also at, at having a serious touch to him when needed. Uh, but he also is a good mix of kind of playing the buffoon, but also being really good at something. So mm-hmm. this is a good blend of all his traits. And I, I mean, no, I, I thought he was really good in this. It, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's obviously good looking. He's in good shape. So, mm-hmm. and, and he's like in good enough shape to play this character, right? Like he's not going to be Thor. Right. Fucking jacked, but, um, but he's not like a slob, you know what I mean? So he's like, you know, he, he looks like someone that could easily become an ant. Hey. I, I think I'd have a he's problem. He's still become an ant. All right. <laughs> he's very ant-like. He's yeah, ant-like. ant-like. I would have a problem with him probably if he was playing Hank Pym, mm. who is, you know, comics Hank Pym is is a scientist. He's basically Tony Stark without the personality and with a big inferiority complex. Yeah, he uh, seemed like a giant pussy from what I had read, the things I read. Yeah, those comics, those original solo Ant-Man comics from the 60s are like legendarily bad. They are so bad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the character is just one that, for some reason, Stan Lee just always championed, um, and kind of no one else. So, um, yeah, having uh, Paul Rudd play Scott Lang, the second Ant-Man from the comics, but still working um, Hank Pym in there, I thought worked really well. Yeah, I was going to ask that if that was an actual, if they had done this for the movie, or if that was an actual thing from the comics. Mm -hmm. It is, yeah, Mm -hmm. and he was an ex-con in the comics also. Okay, so that's cool to know. Um... I definitely was confused for the first like 15 minutes of the movie because of the brief stuff I had read was about Hank Pym. So like then trying to piece together, like, all right, is he still going to be Ant-Man or I'm pretty sure Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. So it took me a while to figure out kind of where they were going with it. Um, Only because I had known that was one of the few things I did know going to this was that Hank Hank Pym was Ant-Man. 
it's interesting. They're kind of doing that legacy hero concept mm-hmm. without having done the first installment to establish who the original character is. And right, you're, yeah. you're getting like all that here. Not that he had like a long storied history as, as Ant-Man. Um, but they do establish that backstory for him. I like uh, it. I like the way they went about it because it is mm-hmm. different than the other stories. It's not the same. Like, this is interesting that the the original hero, like, we haven't really had one yet where we've had the replacement hero, which I know is a thing in the comics. And obviously we're going to see more of it in the future in these movies. Right. Um, at least it seems that way. So, yeah. um, like, I, you know, I, we hadn't really seen that yet in this in this world. So it's kind of a cool way to approach it and, and show the legacy passing down from one Ant-Man to the other. Um, I also think, you know, they set, they set the start in 1989. So if there's anyone that's more of a 1989 fit than Michael Douglas, I don't know who. <laughs> that would be. Right. Michael Douglas has Hank Pym and the amazing anti-aging technology yeah. that mm-hmm. they use on him early. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. You do a good job hiding the, uh, the cancer too, from the eating the girl right. out. Yeah, yeah the, right. The Michael Douglas cancer. Yeah. Obviously. Hmm. Uh. I didn't know we were going there already. Uh, I will ask, isn't there, isn't there an infamous comics scene that has to do with Ant-Man? Um, there, if it's the one you're thinking of, mm-hmm. uh, the famous cover? Yes. Um, is not in this movie, but it is kind of in um, the next movie we're going to talk about, Captain America Civil War. Is he performing Antilingus? Yes. Yes. That's what I'm referring to, yeah. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some um, interesting uh, beatboxing that takes place with um, <laughs> Hank Pym um, in the comics. Yeah, we'll just say. Um... <laughs> And his wife, um, it is with his wife at least. So I mean, mm, right. pretty wholesome, you know. Yeah, right. Wholesome. Yeah. Sure. Family content. I mean, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember if he was during that time period. Uh, Hank Pym was not going around as Ant Man, but he was using the powers um, quite creatively. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm. there you go. But no, there is a famous, beyond that, there is a famous cover um, featuring Ant-Man and Hawkeye that is not in this movie, but comes up in uh, Captain America Civil War. Okay. All right. So um, we talked about how this is sort of like a smaller movie um, and what it ends up being is a heist movie, which is good. Like a... a new dimension to our subgenres, I guess, that we've decided these comic book films are going to be. Um, I love heist movies, so I was excited about that aspect. Um, so Scott Lang is an ex-con. He is just getting out of prison after three years and finds himself right back in to having to steal things again because he was employed at Baskin Robbins, but they found out he was an ex-con. <laughs> And he got fired in a hilarious scene. Yeah, I um, like him working there. I think that was funny. Too. And I like the best mm. Robbins always finds out. They don't play. They always like that. find yeah, out. Yeah, that was good. Um, <clears throat> I like when I like it in movies and TV when they attribute nonsense to like, yeah. you know, or like legit things to nonsensical situations like that. Um, it was just I, a running I, joke, yeah. But I liked the intro scene to set, set everything up and then right into that. I thought was was really well done. So I, I will say that... Um, 
Changing size, which we kind of established right out of the gate with that flashback, Michael Douglas, with his young age effects and whatnot, um, seems really bizarre and counterintuitive as like a combat application. Mm. Yes. Right? It's like, oh, you can shrink, but you still, you know, have the strength that you would as an adult, as a full, as an adult, as a full sized human being. Um, cool. So I guess if you get stepped on, it's not the end of the world, but like, I don't know. Is that like super useful? Wouldn't it make a lot more sense to try to develop, I don't know, some kind of stealth technology? Like you can turn invisible or teleport or seems like that would be a lot easier than all this stuff, <laughs> even by fake comic book science. Well, standards. when you pair it with the speaking to the ants. Yeah. I think, that sounds, yeah. that seems a lot more useful. Right. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Talking together to it's good. Well, I compare it to like, um, <clears throat> I forget which specific Super Mario Brothers game there is, but there's one where you can make Mario super small mm -hmm. and he just like jumps real slow. And I think there's like a few tiny oh, tubes yeah. you can go in, but it's very useless. Like I used to hate getting it. I get <laughs> mad if I accidentally picked yep. up the power yeah and that's what it reminds me of it's like so yes it stood out to me as like what are the actual benefits of this power i'm sure there's some but it's like they're spending all this time and money trying to crack the code right it's like oh we got to perfect this formula and it's like just work on something else like here <laughs> <laughs> i not know you felt that way it's like not that big a deal in a world where we've got a fucking Iron Man suit of armor, right? Oh, well, Hank uh, is quick to say that the Iron Man suit is a play toy. He's and just it doesn't compare at all to the quantum realm. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, um, <clears throat> the Ant-Man thing, though, it, the rationale behind it kind of works with me, uh, for me a little bit. Like, is it really that different than Captain America? You know, like... No offense, Tim, mm -hmm. but um, at least the path we take to get there, right? Like, it's science. The, this genius has figured it out. And he's he's just used the technology to make you shrink. Like, that actually seems like, that actually seems like the more, you know, I don't want to say realistic, but um, it seems like, you know, we've already seen Honey to Shrink the Kids. So, so the technology has <laughs> been established. <laughs> the technology has been established <laughs> in the movie world. In 1989. Um, yeah. Yes, at that time. So it's, like, it's not that unbelievable, you know? Uh so yeah, like that piece of it actually seems okay to me. It's just why would you want it? But why would you want it? It's yeah, but like the, the way they get there isn't that insane, you know? I suppose not. I don't know. It just seemed like there was a lot of effort trying to <laughs> trying to figure out just how does this thing work? How do we get it? How do we get it right so it's not turning people into jelly? Right, right. Not turning four sheep. Well, I guess the idea is really. Um... <laughs> It seems like the idea of use it was really for like spying, right? I guess. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and breaking into like, you know, yeah, or going yeah. into sabotage. Yeah, going into tiny, you know, engines and computers. I, and things you know, like that. It, it would it would be like it was someone invisible. You know, I don't. Uh, I, I mean, I, I do feel like invisibility is way cooler than shrinking. But the the talking to the ants is the cool part for me with him. So that's the bigger breakthrough to me. Mm -hmm. You know, just trying to ants to do all that shit. <laughs> be less conspicuous and easier than shrinking yourself into a tiny human. Well, they need a leader. The ants need a leader. The ants need a leader, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a, a little tiny one. 
And who shall lead the ants? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, 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 and, uh, I enjoyed the fact there was a heist aspect to it. It definitely made it stand out. You know, we talked about um, the first Captain America being like a war movie. Uh, and this, this definitely being, yeah, like a, just either a prison movie or a heist movie, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, yeah, like an Ocean's Eleven type thing. And it made it stand yes. out. But the way they make it with the comedic tint to it, too, adds a lot. Um, it's almost done like in a mock noir, you know, like a lot of like the narrating that they do. Um, mm. So Luis is his buddy. Wait, I'm yeah. Luis, kind of name. Yes. Luis. Yeah. Like, so like him and Luis do like a lot of the, you know, kind of the storytelling and the narrating and mm-hmm. that makes it kind of stand out as different as well. Um, yeah. So I like that. I like that part of it. Definitely made it feel if it's going to be an intro story and it's a standalone one off. Like I like that these all continue to be different. They're not just all the same as, Iron Man was right, like right. said, like you know, Captain America took us back to the '40s or whatever it was, and um, was more about a war. And this is now more about guys that steal shit. I really like Scott's bewilderment through most of the movie before yeah. he really gets into it, um, because I feel like that's very realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, he he did you know like a a noble crime a cold crime as his buddy call it um and that's what got him sent to prison he you know it wasn't he was doing it for the greater good in his mind anyway so he still wants he still has that mindset but he just has to use criminal means to get there but now this has fallen into his lap and he can kind of be a good guy and save everybody just like he wants to and redeem himself with his daughter which father-daughter relationships is another huge theme in this movie as well um so you have the you have scott and his daughter cassie and then you have hank and his daughter hope right yes yep Yep. Mm -hmm. um so they have a strained relationship because Hank has lied about how Hope's mother died. Um, she was also a shrinked person, a small person, a shrunken person, <laughs> a, shrunken uh, person. A, a shrunken superhero person who died in the line of duty. She was also an anthropod. Yes. Um, but Hank, Hank has lied to Hope about her, her mother's death her entire life. So that's an issue. And one of the problems for me was like his reasoning behind that. He's like, I wanted to protect you. And I'm just Hmm. like, I don't really get that. I I got the whole him not um, leaning on her more throughout the movie. You know, the connections that she has to his old company. Um, Why doesn't he just enlist her to do all this stuff instead of. Yeah. He doesn't want to lose her the same way. Yeah. Like I totally get that and it's fine, but. I would agree with you on the whole, like, lying about what happened to mom. I mean, why does it matter? You know, like, she knows that he's like, she's known, like, her whole life that he's not telling her the truth about that. Maybe he was afraid if she knew the information, like, it would put her in jeopardy, you know? Could be. Hmm. I think it was just to protect her because she would try to do it and the same thing would happen. So she she thinks Scott, so so Hank thinks Scott's disposable. Right. Oh, for sure. A stand-in. A stand-in. Yeah. Expendable. And I think that all um, plays very well before they actually do just spell it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not sure they really needed to spell it out, but right. I will say that her character, Hope's character, was drawn a little thin 
up to that point. Like she didn't really add a whole lot personality personality wise beyond just um there are some plot connections that she had, you know, to keep the wheel spinning in motion. Mm-hmm. But as a character, it's like, do we really need her in this movie? And then she sort of comes into her own towards the end of it. What did we think about her and Evangeline Lilly playing her? I, I, I thought she was, she was good. I she was great. Yeah, yeah I, I think she was, she's strong, you know, like a strong female. So it didn't mm-hmm. feel like force her over the top. I, I think some of the issues we had back in Thor um, mm-hmm. weren't, weren't an issue here. Uh, but also, I was this led to a bunch of confusion for me too. So as I was trying to figure out the Hank Pym thing, I also knew that the wasp was named Janet. So I was like trying to piece all that together uh-huh. as this was going. So I'm like, okay, is she Jen or her name's not Janet? So like, <laughs> as I was trying to figure out how they were both be Ant Man, also trying to figure out who Janet was and all of this, because um, again, I just knew that from reading the book. But in general, yes, I think she was strong in the role um, of that. Maybe almost too strong in a way. Think so. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, it's kind of what I might have been dancing around. Like, I like um, Evangeline Lilly just fine. I just I don't know that I like the way the role was written. Mm. Um, she certainly plays it very well, um, but I don't know. Just some of the choices they made with her were like, well, it's almost like she needs those traits to yeah. be what she's going to be. Mm. But here it feels like. You almost expect her more to like develop those when she becomes that versus like already kind of like she's already almost so badass and strong that she doesn't even need a power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yep. Like it yep. feels like she could have just already been. Well, I, I don't think own. I don't think it's a question of her abilities. I think it's a question of her loyalties. Hank did not want her to waste her time, um, you know, with with right. Cross and get away from that group and use her abilities with him for good instead of weaponizing right. it, in essence. But I think you just so general, it was... even, even just the way she is presented, though, not, like, she's presented already as a very strong, smart, like, genius level. I mean, almost like a female Tony, in a way, at times. Um, so it's almost like it would... I guess you'd expect most of these people that take these things on, look at, look at Scott, look at... Um, uh, Steve Rogers, like they're kind of, they need that to come out of their cell, right? It, even uh, Bruce Banner, right? right? They all kind of need this to become, but but she's already kind of like there, you know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. only helps her become small. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. actually add to her. It doesn't change her in any way besides giving her the ability to be small and go into this realm and maybe find her mom. You know what I mean? Does that make That's sense? That's a great point. Yeah. I like that point. I think she, all of, almost all of her scenes are about showing us why she is far more qualified to do this than Scott. Right. Right. And yet at the same time, the movie is not called Hope Van Dyne. It's called Ant-Man. Right. So we have but to the find... point is right. But again, we have to keep remembering that the point is not qualifications. It's expendability. Hank has no problem. Uh, yeah. You know, he knows hope is ready, but he doesn't want what happens to hope to happen to Janet. So he gets this other guy who's a good thief who he could give two shits about. And, Work it on him, and if he fucking disappears, and screw it. Who cares? So and it's along the way, she actually becomes because he is good at right. Exactly. Mm, right. right. Into but my it, point, yeah. yeah. But in the beginning, he knows that hope is is ready. But number one, she's attached to Cross, and that and 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 that group, and it's almost she's trying. He's trying to win back her 
trust and loyalty to the family. Well, she's only there as, you know, she's a mole. She's not really with him. Right. Um, and uh, the other point pretty much then is she is he wants to protect her from having the same thing happen. So Scott is just this. Hey, if he succeeds, eh, he's not a bad guy. And if he vanishes, well, and if he, you know, gets sucked into the realm or whatever, well, he's not hope. So who gives a shit? That's pretty much, I mean, that's pretty much the base attitude that Hank had in the beginning is that Scott's expendable. End of story. He's good at sneaking in and out of places. I'm going to take advantage of his um, criminal abilities. But I, if he if he vanishes or he gets killed or whatever, fuck it, whatever. He, he turns to goo, he turns to goo. At least it wasn't my daughter. That So, you know. Right. So as he will, you know, one of the highlights for me for this movie is the action scenes. I don't know if you guys would agree with me on this stuff, but and and when he first puts on the suit and he's in the bathtub and he shrinks down and the water turns on, that starts like an entire really awesome sequence mm-hmm. that I really love. So like he's washed down and he goes like into a nightclub. He goes like he's sucked up into a vacuum. And um, so we just follow him like in this, you know, fraught world. And mm-hmm. he is just like, freaking out not knowing what to do and just keeps running it's a really awesome like introduction to what the what his sort of powers can be Mm -hmm. and um and it's really cool watching him as he trains and learns how to how to use the suit and talk to the ants yeah it's a great so it's something visually we haven't really seen either in these Mm -hmm. it's very different um putting them on this adventure as we learn what what it's about and uh, we'll get more of that too once once he, you know, gets to be in the know. Right. But no, I, I did like that. It, it was a really well done scene. It was very Honey I Shrunk the Kids. I felt mm-hmm. like too. Like, and that's you know, I love that world, and it that's what it reminded me of. But it was just very, like, well done, like beautifully done. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the effects, the shrinking mm-hmm. effects, and you know, this perspective that we see you know from his vantage point when they do that um visually just really a feast and quite similar yeah as you said to honey i shrunk the kids um i will say that one thing that kind of bothered me with the powers uh when you get into the actual like fight scenes themselves Mm -hmm. is where it sort of falls apart for me um I just I find I found them kind of hard to follow uh, and just the physics were sort of like breaking my brain over a knee mm-hmm. like it, it was just sort of I don't know it was a bit much um, with, you know in a superhero universe you just sort of right. hand wave this stuff but mm-hmm. I don't know I just I thought that that maybe could have been done better I don't know how but <laughs> I think it could have been better <laughs> Scott, what do you think? Um, if, I, I like the, the action scene was great. Uh, I like I love that kind of stuff. I love that kind of visual um, filming and, and effects because I think this goes to the tone of the film again. Um, we needed a little a little fun and, and and to be honest, honey, I shrunk the kids. We keep talking about it. I think was kind of what ended up becoming 
what Stanley wanted for Ant-Man in like 19, I think maybe Ant-Man was supposed to come out in 1989. So I think we keep, we keep mentioning Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but I think that's what actually ended up being since nobody wanted the Ant-Man character in the late 80s. But um, I mean, think about it. Batman came out in 89. Ant-Man would have been a complete, <laughs> it would have been <laughs> swallowed up with that. It's so. certainly the kind of stuff he, he wanted to see in an Ant-Man movie. Yet. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, the visuals, oh, I didn't have a problem with the technology, but um, I, again, I think it goes to the tone of the film. Um, I mean, we've had literally, if you look at the last, um, well, pretty much every movie from here on that we've done, um, what was the last movie that had a little bit of, well, I mean, Get Guardians has a decent amount of humor in it, but, mm. oh, yeah. um, you know, obviously, but because Guardians takes place in space, obviously stakes are always seem, seemed higher, but it was nice to just have some fun. You know, you don't get to laugh. You don't get to laugh in a Mar- in a Marvel film a, a lot. You know, and it, not laugh like my God, that sucked. But hey, that was actually pretty funny. And so I thought you're 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 dead on, Jenny, with that visual of the drain and then bopping in and out of places. And because Scott's clueless, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And right. it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. Right. It's great. It's awesome. And again, Paul Rudd kills it. Yeah, he kills does. It. He really does. He doesn't overdo it. I think it's the best part. Um, I don't know who else they thought of for for that role. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to look now to see if there are any other names out there. Not really. Uh, he said. Um, well, he helped write it, so yeah, like he was like super, you know, into it. Yeah, so I think he was probably the only. I think he was picked from the start, so right. he knew that he was enveloping the role and kind of working it for himself and. Um, but he yeah, was he's so, someone that's never over the top. He's always no. Yeah, you know, he plays it just right. Yeah, and he's done serious, moderately serious films, so he knows how to yeah, dial years. it down when he needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, he didn't have to do that a ton here. He will have to do that down the line. Um, but yeah, I thought the visuals throughout the whole movie were great. Um, they get even better, I think, in the second one. Um, but. Yeah, I, I was fine with it. I was fine with it. I thought the I thought the whole him trying to figure out what he's doing because he's utterly clueless. Mm-hmm. Like that's the best part about it. If I can expound on that, none of the other. He's the first one who has a power per se or a his abilities where he has no idea. Tony knew. Steve knew quickly. Um, you know, Thor was Thor. Hulk was Hulk. So, you know, he's the first one we've seen here in the in the in the in our story, our journey, where he really has no clue what the fuck he's doing. Sort of like a Spider-Man type. Exactly. He's like he's like Peter Parker, who has no idea that he's got these little things sticking out of his fingers and he can lean. He can hang on to brick like he has no no idea. And I think that's refreshing. I was very. Well, the difference, too, is, though, it's not he's not that person. So he can. Like Peter doesn't really well, have yeah, a choice, exactly. right? Um, whereas Scott does have a choice to make. Like he can just throw this fucking thing away and, and move on, right? Um, and he's not an ant. Like he didn't become an ant. Right. right. Um, so it actually puts a choice in his hands. Like he, you know, Tony, I guess, kind of had a choice. <laughs> Banner, sort of. Banner doesn't really, right? Mm-hmm. Thor obviously doesn't really. Um, but here we are as like a guy that you know, actually has the choice. And, and even Cap, once he becomes Cap, doesn't really have the choice. In a roundabout way, if you, if you, well, at face value, I mean, we might be getting really deep here, but at face value, he didn't have a choice. He had a choice, but in reality, he didn't. 
because if you if we think of the story of him in this movie, he wanted to show that to his daughter that he wasn't a bum. Yeah, and, but he had a choice to not like. My point is, yes, yeah, right. It helps him with what he's trying to get across. But everybody else is like physically been changed to where they have to be the way they are, uh, right? Like Tony's got the shit in, inside of him, and he needs a thing to to live, right? A, whole, a banner is it drank the stuff, whatever the fuck happened, and he is, you know, he, he can't help he himself. He drank. He got zapped. <laughs> whatever. Drank he can't. He drank the potion. He can't. Um, Hulk juice. Hulk he juice. can't control it, right? I mean, at least now. Right, right. Yeah, like, I see what you mean. Store. Like, but I see Scott can decide to just get rid of whether he wants to, whether he's trying to impress his order or not. He doesn't have to do this, whereas right. the other people all kind of have to. Well, right. No, I'm not. And at in that layer, you're you're completely right. My point is, yes, he could either do this or go back to crime. Because that's or pretty much all he knows else. how to do. You can get a job somewhere else. I'm, I'm, he can't, obviously, because he's he, he, no, couldn't, he couldn't scoop fucking ice cream. What the hell else was he going to do? Yeah, he'll <laughs> find. There's plenty of programs out there for x programs. <laughs> oh, great. This has, become a, this has become a fucking Oliver Stone movie. That's great. But anyway, uh, I, I anyway. think the visuals were great. Um, I also really like the training sequence. Mm. I'm uh, sort of a mark for tra- training sequence anyway, but this is really cool because it, you don't normally get to see this sort of thing, like Scott trying to get the ants to put sugar cubes in his coffee mm. or whatever. And, you know, that's sort of, you know, quirky and unique and uh, interesting visually. Um, him getting freaked out when he's underground in the tunnels and then just freaking out and growing big and like, how about giant holes in the yard is funny and um endearing you know um and of course he names his uh, friend anthony yes (laughs) um and then hope of course beats his ass in the uh training sequences Mm -hmm. so that's Mm -hmm. that was quite good Um, despite her stupid hair though i was gonna comment on the hair not a Um, fan of the hair no i didn't like her hair either it got better for a second hair I, I don't know. I feel like it, if it's, I, I, yeah. I'm not gonna say it's like Hogarth level, but it's it's not great. <laughs> Hogarth. Yeah, it's like a, she has like a weird face frame cut out mm. in this giant yeah. um, Bob. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a she... weird buttress around her head or something. <laughs> like a mom in a Santa Claus. Like it's kind of like that. <laughs> buttress. Yeah. No, the hair hair thing was not good. Um, but... Before that, though, we did meet Cross the first time, and I actually thought it was one of the more um, We've seen some evil stuff, but mm-hmm. him just like out of nowhere zapping that fucking guy and vaporizing him. I love that part. I did too. Like, that was pretty cold. Like we haven't seen too many things of just guys doing that yeah. shit. Like you know, we've seen yeah. a- as people have grown and started doing like crazy shit, like Iron Monger and so you know, like. But this was just like this guy literally did nothing wrong. He <laughs> was like in the bathroom and just fucking zaps him. Yeah, I I have like complex cross feelings because like complex cross feeling he, I, he, he sucks like in the grand scheme of everything he's <laughs> he he's sucks. like one of the suckier villains but i don't know i, I have a soft spot for him he um, feels relatable like he definitely felt like someone you would like ran a corporation locally that you would yeah, know like oh. that like, scene in the bathroom is like so fucking brutal and savage that i'm like holy shit <laughs> i mean like it's just endearing to me but he does feel like a b-level uh yeah, and a copycat villain like we've talked about before. He just wants to be small. You know, he just wants the technology. It does um, feel so... very mimicked to Iron Man. Like, right, exactly. Iron Man and Iron Monger and then these two. Like, it, it definitely felt very similar, like the right. 
the mimicking and even the right down to the ball, like the look. Yeah. Um, kind of running the comp- running the corporation, like all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I do really like the actor who plays. Attitude. Corey, I love Corey Stoll. Stoll. Attitude. Yeah. I love Corey Stoll. So I, the character as a character kind of sucks, but I, I think he brings it up a little bit. I, yeah. I think he does too. I loved him in everything. I liked him in House of Cards. I liked him in. Uh, he's on uh, uh, Billions right now. Mm. I think he was in. Um, he was in Black Mass with Johnny Depp in, in, mm-hmm. in about uh, Whitey Bulger. No, I love Corey Stoll, but yeah, it's Obadiah Stain to a lesser level, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, th- I think this movie, and again, I think it goes back to the movie, like the 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 level of it. I think we were okay with whatever they did because this isn't, you know, an Avengers movie. It's not Tony. Right. It's not Steve. Right. We we can we can get away with a little a little, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we don't know yet he's going to be a big part of the other show. Right, exactly. I loved how um, when Hank first explained everything, he said, our first call should be to the Avengers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, that is very practical of him. I would probably think that as well. And they do a good job, too, even beyond that, tying in, like, Stark and S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, they name drop it here. Oh, yeah. To thread the universe together. Yeah, you see Tony's dad in that um, flashback, so that was cool. And that scene kind of exists just to kind of justify why we aren't calling the Avengers, like why this isn't right. an Avengers level right. thing. And it's but perfect, it also, right? yeah, yeah, it's perfect because it also speaks to Hank's character because that's where we learn he does not trust Tony Stark, um, mm-hmm. does not like him, uh, doesn't want him um, coming into contact with with uh, his, his technology. Yeah. Correct. Which I mean, he's kind of got a point in some ways. Um, especially given where Tony is, you know, today. So yeah, I really, I did appreciate that little, um, interaction. The other uh, dynamic that I wanted to really like talk about real quick is, um, so Scott's family, his, he has an ex-wife and the daughter and then the ex-wife, um, is remarried to Mm -hmm. his daughter. (laughs) So so the the stepdad um and the mom, yeah he's great like he's great and the mom is great that's um what's her face uh judy greer i really like them but what do we think about like this whole situation in the context of the movie Again, it felt very, not only is Hope's hair very Santa Claus, but it actually did feel a little bit like the Santa Claus in a way, or like a Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, it kind of had, like, that feel to it, right? You kind of got the dad who's a little, mm-hmm. um, not the Scott's a deadbeat dad. He seems like a good dad, but because he ends up in jail, he's kind of maligned. And um, you kind of get the overprotective new husband that the guy doesn't really like. And um, he's a cop. Right. So it's always, like, yeah. you know, antithesis of yeah. the main character. Uh, so it, it kind of threaded those types of movies. I mean, mm-hmm. he's good. I've always liked him since way back in the, the third watch days. Um, mm-hmm. He was in that. And I, I think he, he plays a good role here because uh, he's the type of guy, too, that can be funny, like uh, straight yeah. man funny. Um, again, similar to Judge Reinhold in Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> you know, he can kind of play straight man funny, but also be funny, but also be serious. So mm-hmm. I think he's got good flexibility for this type of role where. You can kind of see him believing it in the end, but you can also see him being too practical to believe any of the shit. Right. You could see him not believing in Santa, but also giving in at the end and believing in Santa. Yeah. 
Subtle I little like, family drama. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh no, I like Bobby Cannavale too. I liked him in uh um Boardwalk Empire. What the fuck else was he in? Oh, he's on Lil, that other show. Lil and Grace is where I know him yeah, from. Yeah, I know him from yeah, I know him from that. I know him from Boardwalk Empire. Oh, he was on Vinyl the one year that that was on HBO. Didn't he um, get kind of fucked in Third Watch, his character? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, he gets killed or something. I don't know. God. With the helicopter? So long. Yes, helicopter. I dropped him. <laughs> Did he get killed? No. I don't know. No, that's the e- Isn't that an ER, the guy that gets helicopter yes. dropped on him? Oh, okay. Romano, doesn't he get the helicopter? I don't remember on? if he dies in that or not. I know he's kind of goes a little crazy because he's with kim that uh anyway we're going way off track but yeah um but anyway i like that character he's really good and it goes back to what jr and i were saying about whether scott has a choice or not Mm. yes he has a free will choice but he knows he kind of doesn't because there's this guy who's yeah he's a little tight ass but he's a stable influence and you know he has a good job and it pisses scott off so he needs to be a hero so, yeah. So, no, that, I think that dynamic's fine. I, I have no problem with any of that. The supporting cast was exceptional, I think. I um, think so, too. Think Even was... down to the little girl. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. I thought she was really cute, like, very believable as his daughter. <laughs> like, I thought they kind of even favored a little bit. And, um, you know, she was quite quirky, kind of like him. And um, I thought she was just adorable little um, spot in this movie. I like all the actors and I do like Scott's relationship with his daughter um, and how it sort of parallels the, the Hank Hope dynamic. The whole, you're right, by the way, Tim, he, he did die in the show. Uh, yeah. It was his old buddy um, or his brother. Uh, that was her it? brother, an old girlfriend's brother. He went and threw a stash out and then he, he, uh, Oh, that's right. And then he got it. Yeah. Um, great show. So the whole th- deal with him and, and Scott, where they have like this antagonistic relationship, like he's the new boyfriend slash fiance. Oh, and he's also a cop. It's uh-huh. cliche. It's stupid. I hate it. Get it out of here. Really? Yeah. Well, then what's, Scott, well then what's Scott fighting for, though, then, Tim? Just the respect of his daughter. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I but don't he, think he needed yeah, but just, she liked him. Any, yeah, but she liked him. She cared about him anyway. She didn't need his daughter's mm-hmm. approval. She needed the wife, the ex-wife, and the new guy's approval. So without them, it loses the the. the he can't have her. He, yeah, he can't. He it doesn't. Then it doesn't matter. It goes just back to Jr.'s point. If he could just drop the suit and walk away, just so write it better. <laughs> just make it better. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how you can make it better. How do you make it better? I don't know. I didn't write the fucking thing. I don't care. Just I want them to make it better. It's <laughs> not an answer. Well, it's funny because like it just was like all their scenes were like, oh, I don't, we've seen this a thousand times. Like it just the whole again. This is doubt. Like we're not watching this doubtfire. We're not watching whatever else we've compared it to. Like I don't, don't care want about the wholesome shit. In this. I don't care about that shit. Well, yeah. no, you can do the father daughter wholesome shit, but it's mm-hmm. like it's just that antagonistic relationship between. The axe and the new boyfriend thing. Like, fuck, I don't need it. I thought I they played it. it pretty low key. You know, it wasn't, they weren't screaming at I each agree. other. And, you no, know, they I were agree. polite and, like, I thought it was fairly realistic. Like, I like it better in the sequel. I'll put it that way. Where right. Well, the other, the other thing is, too, the daughter clearly was the, is the power broker in the house because she <laughs> loves Scott. 
Like, there's no, she doesn't have, Scott doesn't have to right. beg for her acceptance. Right. She's the one who accepts him. It's the other two right. that they, mm-hmm. she, the, the daughter could give two shits about either of them. She loves her dad. So it was just kind of validating that more than anything else. If, mm-hmm. if the daughter was, a, was, was the um, doubtful one. Doubt fireful one. Doubt fireful <laughs> one. That was a fucking softball. Somebody had to hit it. Um, um, then, yeah, I could see your point. That it'd be, oh, Christ, this is. But the fact I that think... she's the one calling the shots in that house, the daughter, and the other two are just kind of her minions in a roundabout way, you know, emotionally, Scott's got a shot. So it's. I don't think it's as cliched, Tim, because usually the kid's a bitch too, but mm. not in this case. But I see your point. I mean, look. You can't invent something new all the time. You just kind of change the color of the paint, but it's the, it is the same thing. I agree with you, but I don't know where else you could have gone with it for that in that instance. But I thought it was fine. I agree with Jenny that I don't think they beat you over the head with it, like Mrs. Doubtfire, because that wasn't the point of the movie. It was a, it was oh, like the yeah. tertiary story of the movie too. So. I, I'll give you a real answer. I thought of a real answer. Um, <laughs> you're right. So uh, make it have have something happen where Scott disappoints. His do- does something to disappoint his daughter and in turn disappoint us as the audience that is invested in him. Mm-hmm. We're thinking, you fucked up, buddy. Mm-hmm. Have, you know, the, the new fiance kind of pull him aside, you know, yeah, you kind of fucked up here mm-hmm. without having a big over the top confrontation, you know? Sure. Mm-hmm. And so it then becomes like, okay, this guy's got to win his daughter back over, got to win us back over. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. I think it just would have played out better than this kind of antagonism between the two of them where clearly we're just siding with Scott because it's his, his movie and we like him better, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. He also kind of needed some kind of push and pull because <clears throat> like him and Hank didn't really have it. And yeah, mm-hmm. Cross and Scott don't really have a beef, right? Like, yeah, there, yeah. there's no personal issue there, at least in the beginning. Whereas if you look at everyone else, they always kind of had the personal tie. Like Tony mm. obviously got betrayed by Stain. Mm. You know, Rogers, <laughs> the Nazis, obviously, no one likes them. Um, <laughs> most people. Uh, and, and then you get you get here where, like, like, like what is Cross going to do that really Scott? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, you needed something to fill that gap of the, right. the heel or at least the conflict until they got to the point where he would have a conflict with Cross. Right. That makes sense. Sure. Um, speaking of conflict, what did we think about the fight scenes, Tim? You are not a fan of the one with Falcon or the one with Yellow Jacket or any of them? I like them in theory. I don't hate them. I just kind of had a hard time. I don't know. Um, With Falcon, I, I like that it exists because it does give... It does remind us this is part of a, a larger world, right? Mm-hmm. And we get to see him interact with basically another superhero, but one who is more kind of on his level. Exactly. Um, Perfect point, Tim. It, it it's not it's not a great look for, for Falcon. For Falcon, right? It's job out. <laughs> yeah, he gets job out. He exactly. puts him over. Well, my well, my bigger was... issue with with Falcon mm-hmm. is it makes this immediately feel like a B level movie and character okay um like hasn't really been established yet as a yeah yeah, he hasn't been established as a main you know it'd be like sending andrea over to melrose place right Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, God. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but. You know, I said the Grand Wall Street. No way. <laughs> you know, but Jake yeah, but it felt like that way. Like, if you give me Cap or you give me Bruce Banner, like, then it kind of, like, when we get Ragnarok eventually or whatever else, right? You get, like, the, the main guys go to those, right? To cross over. Um, and we've seen some of that already, but. Like for this one, the big crossover is Falcon, who really just became a thing, like in one of the most recent ones. And mm-hmm. like he's not really established. I don't know. It just felt like this and is I, all they could they they could, they weren't gonna pay big money. They were just gonna mm-hmm. send Falcon over to Ant Man. So to me it made Ant Man feel kind of B level. Um that that's who they decided to send for the crossover. I I the only reason I disagree is because I'm not looking at it from Scott's perspective, I'm looking at it from Falcon's perspective. Um remember, he's a newbie. So he still feels like he's an outsider. So you're not going to have Tony chase him around the fucking property. That looks stupid. No, but um, it doesn't have to be someone chasing him in that scene. I'm saying the only thread they have is that they only have Falcon show up in this movie versus a, a bigger star to me. So I felt like they, they didn't want to give me Black Widow even. You know what I mean? Like at least in, like that's a name. Like it, it, to me, it's just, How about like, Hawkeye. <laughs> Yes, Hawkeye. I'd love that. But no, I think they're also using the whole, I mean, look what movie we just finished. I mean, they're all fucked right now. They're all just meat. So I think, um, yeah, I think they did it because, I'm not disagreeing with you completely. What I'm saying is I'm looking at it from the other perspective where if you're going to have, you can't just have the place unattended. Um, It's fucking headquarters. Again, you're you're getting caught up in the scene. Like, I don't, I'm not worried about what the scene is. I'm worried about, I'm just saying, if they were going to, I'd almost rather have no crossover than Falcon. Is what I'm trying to say. Like because it just it makes it just seem like, uh, like all right, like, like we wanted to have another Avenger in here to say he's part of like this world, but we didn't want to send anyone that anyone really cares about. Well, like that, that's mean, just what it felt like to me. I think that's kind of where Ant Man is. I mean, that's it, well, that's, right, but because of this, you know, like like well, Spider Man doesn't because have because it Falcon, was anyway, right? Spider Man has Tony in the, or the movie. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. even if he's not in a ton, he's in it, right? So that that legitimizes Spider Man. He's he's on Tony's level or at least involved with Tony Stark. Well, you Ant-Man also tied in with fucking Sam. Yeah, but the Sam you have to also <laughs> right. But the the other part of it is is Spider Man is in the grand Marvel scheme of things, Spider Man's at their level. I know. Maybe so not at that point in the movie. Reaffirming that. They're just reaffirming that is what I'm saying. Right, right. Right. It but, made but, it feel like a big deal. It made it feel well, like a big deal. I feel like, thing. right. It ended appropriately so, I feel like. And we see it later, too. Yeah. Like yeah. Marvel, right? Like, they said Nick Fury, you know. Right. Like, so it's yeah. like, they didn't, you know, so it's. Yeah. I got we're you. We're not seeing the big stars in this. Right. Which just makes it, I get it. They didn't want to pay him probably because it's right. fucking it. Right, and Ant-Man, I think, un- ends up exceeding what they expected to be, right, from what I remember at the time. Like, that's one thing I remember, that weren't they surprised it did well? No, it made a ton of money. No, it definitely did better. Yeah, than, yeah, I, oh, yeah. yeah. So if they knew it could be that money, could, would they have sprung for, you know, Scarlett Johansson, is what I'm saying. Well, maybe they had, well, yeah, and I mean, if they if all, if all they all had appearance deals, you know, uh, Downey and, and, you know, all those, and all those guys, and you're not going to waste one of their chits in the contract on this. No, yeah. you're you're 100 right. right but you're just, yeah, you're just backing up what I'm saying. You're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a, no, I'm just saying that Falcon. Yes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take your point and I'm using it within yeah. the the structure of the scene because the reason they used Sam is because he's a newbie and he's got to you know watch the place while they're all out and he he's you know Scott figures out the yeah. you know I mean the, that's not why they, they didn't write the scene and say oh we we should only have Falcon they, they just wanted to have a crossover and they didn't want to pay anyone else so they came up with a reason to have oh. Falcon. Sure. I mean, 
that kind of your break. I mean, if you want to break kayfabe, that's fine. But I mean, nobody. I mean, what what do you want them to do? I mean, they could just not do anything Avengers related and just do the movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'd rather almost do that. Like, I, and I'm a fan of the crossover like universe. Like, I like that everything's mm-hmm. tied together. It just felt to me like it was like, okay, we're gonna have someone show up. You know, call Sam. <laughs> like, it just felt like you like you could have just made the effort to have someone else there. Even just even if like Tony looks out the fucking window as they're fighting or something. Like, just show that we're, we're willing to have <laughs> Tony the looks out the window. Shit up. Oh wow, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, it's really now. Or Cap is like or no. something. Or maybe maybe Falcon comes back and him and Cap shake hands. Like, good, good job patrolling. Like, just give me something. You know what I mean? Like, it just felt like very um. Like you didn't put, need it. Put so, Stan course, Lee right in there. Yeah, anyone somewhere. Yeah, I don't know what his. I forgot what his cameo was in this one, but yeah, I forgot it as well. I'm trying to remember what it is too. That would have been good. Like if he was the FedEx. I know he was the FedEx guy in another movie, but it, uh, that would have been fine. But no, I mean, I see your point. I see your point. You probably didn't even need to go to the headquarters anyway. You could have gotten the tech from somewhere else and just. The fact that we mentioned it a few minutes ago, where where Hank kind of just passes off the Avengers word, and you're like, oh right, we're in this group. Okay, cool, and then move on with the movie. So, yeah, I could, no, I see your point where <clears throat> why even bother if you're going to – yeah, no, I, I get that. But if since they did it, you might as well, you know, have them job out one of the, you know, curtain jerkers instead of the main eventers. But I agree. It makes him look kind of um, B-list. I would also say I don't really mind that because I think right. he is kind of a B-list. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, you're basically just you, – you're affirming his status, right? Yeah, right. which is fine, right. I think. I mean, you're just saying this be, is going to be yeah, – second tier guy he's new um he's he's new to the job and his powers like aren't super impressive in the first place right, yeah, as right. we talked about so it's sort of like yeah I'm, I'm sort of okay with establishing this pecking order um i do think you have limited options to choose from if if not falcon yeah maybe um maybe natasha's a good choice maybe hawkeye i think both machine, I, I think maybe. if you put them together maybe the two of them come in and yeah you know, he's shooting the arrow at him when he's tiny, you know. Brody could kind of work. <laughs> yeah, even he would have yeah. been, because Brody, he's going to establish yeah. war as, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. He could have been patrolling in his suit or whatever, like. Mm-hmm. And you you wouldn't even need to necessarily uh, shell out for Cheadle, right? You could just fucking have the voice oh, or yeah. something. <laughs> have him never open up the mask. All right. So, uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, I really like the ending fight scene that starts up in the helicopter um because they're both shrunken um so the whole fight is like around in the briefcase and uh it's a very chaotic scene and then they fall into this family's pool and uh it's just it's really like a sort of silly serious type i love the ping pong uh, into the yeah. bug zapper game. Yes. Yeah. I think that should have been the finish. <laughs> I don't like that he kicked out. Um, but I, I love their really? overindulgence. It didn't feel NXT to you? I know. Look at me with my overindulgence. I'm usually usually into that. But no, mm-hmm. that would have been a good finish. That would have been a really good finish. That was really cool. Uh, I really loved <laughs> how they shift from uh, you know big to small in, in this fight scene. It's really cool. And um, it, you know, when the when the new stepdaddy shows up and tasers him and stuff, I don't know. I I, I wasn't fond mm. of that too much. I, it could have been anybody else, or I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It shouldn't have ended that way with the tasering. 
But up until then, it was a good fight scene. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I've lost track, honestly, what scene we're on, but the, um, I, I like, uh, one question I had was when they're doing the initial break and, like, uh, there are no cameras on this, like, that felt a little weird. Um, I like the side fight with, like, the, with this crew kind of battling the cops um, mm-hmm. during the heist, and I think it was a good twist oh, yeah. when, mm-hmm. when Ant-Man gets caught, because uh, you just weren't, you don't really expect that to happen in there, so I thought that was good, too. Um, but I like that they involve the crew to outsmart the cops and do that. And they do things, again, without just fighting, right? It's all, they're kind of using their wits versus the, any kind of brawn. Um, also, the La Cucaracha running gag is great. <laughs> the Van Horn. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Michael Pena was good in this movie. Yeah, he was awesome. Honestly, he was one of the highlights. Um, yeah, he was good. The whole story a- with his cousin, and he talks really fast and bounces back and forth. It was really good. <laughs> Yeah, they've done a good job casting like the sidekicks. We'll see it continue later in another mm-hmm. one. Um, no, I, I think he was really good in the role as like the kind of I don't say moral compass, but kind of like his guide through things. Um, I also thought the Hydra involvement made sense. It didn't feel forced the way they did it. I thought that was good. Yeah, so that's kind of continuing that that thread where we we set them up. They're still around mm-hmm. and the Winter Soldier. And, uh, you know, it got dealt a setback, I guess, with the whole leak with S.H.I.E.L.D. and they were all exposed. And Avengers, you know, going around mopping up their bases in Age of Ultron. But we know they're still going to be out there. You know, you right. can't totally stamp these guys out. So, yeah, I, I like that follow-up. Plus, it sort of is a, a handy way of just answering the question, like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, you don't, <laughs> have, to, you don't have to give them, like, a whole backstory and complex motivations. It's just like, no, they're Hydra. It's fine. Hydra. Just, Move yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> Hydra covers all. Yeah. Um, so what about the final battle in the little girl's uh, bedroom? That was very Toy Story. And mm. well, uh, e- Th- Even before Thomas- that. I thought, I thought the reveal with Yellow Jacket was good, too. Like, it wasn't forced. And then I thought I liked the fight over the briefcase. I think that was the one in the helicopter, right? Was right, that that? yes. Yeah, yeah, that was all good with Siri playing the song. Like, I thought yeah. that was funny. Um, oh, yeah, that was great. So there were, like, good little gags like that that they wove in, which I think market as a good, more comedic feel mm-hmm. um, without feeling, again, without feeling forced. So I, I think that was one of the big pluses of this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a good job of, um, beyond forcing uh, Falcon in, uh, I get why they did that, but like this, the other stuff, like the humor, the Laku Garacha was like kind of a low key, funny thing without being over the top. They didn't bang it into the ground. They mm-hmm. didn't do it a million times. Um, and, and again, like the stuff like Scott just mentioned, um, with Luis, you know, telling the stories like just it was like little funny stuff like that, that didn't feel heavy handed or forced throughout the movie. It was just, it was smooth. And you could tell a very seasoned comedic actor was mm-hmm. at, at the helm of it. Mm-hmm. And even like in the in the fight scene in the girls' room, like all that is very like it's an intense fight scene between them two, but it's also like pretty hilarious because they're literally just on toys on Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I like when the, they cut back to Cassie and she just sees it as like her toys. Her toys, up just, yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. But to them, it's it's life and death stakes. Uh, really appropriately terrifying use of Thomas the Tank. Oh, no lie. That was yeah, that was good. pretty good. I like it too. It's interesting too how they made the cops kind of be goofs in this movie up until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, normally in all of these, and I think I voiced that mainly in the Netflix shows, how it gets kind of tiring where the cops are always like, um, you know, whatever, hiding or, or 
the he they're really the heels and they turn you know like that right it was right. interesting to see them here where they were just kind of presented as um just kind of goofs and just kind, kind of, of go again, that, that yeah. spoke again to feeling very much like a movie like we've been talking about even like a kindergarten cop i don't know like so you know like it, <laughs> yeah, it felt yeah very um awesome. family comedy in a way where, where the cops are presented that way so it's it's interesting like, i got i don't know were they going for a different audience in this movie like it feels like it yeah could be i mean all these sort of have their own feel these movies there's like a thing that they're going for and we said that this was sort of the heist movie but it also has a lot of hijinks mm-hmm. um you figure a lot of these elements that made it into the movie have to be holdovers from Edgar Wright, um, right. who does get like a screenwriting credit, I believe. Yes. Um, yes. So they at least, I mean, they did. Yes, keep he does. Some yep. of, yeah, they did keep some of what he came up with. Mm-hmm. And even though it's it's not him, you know, steering it, we, we see some of those sensibilities. Yeah, so I mean, I liked the final fight. I thought the payoff was good with him going subatomic. They kind of teased it all movie, um, how hard it was and impossible and ex- you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then that's what he ends up using to to win the fight. So I thought that was that was well done. Mm. Yeah, and no, I definitely enjoyed something that's doable. Yeah, I enjoyed the bedroom scene a lot. I I thought it was, um, you know, putting now there's a cliche thing there, Tim. Uh, you know, you talk about cliches. The daughter had to be in danger in some capacity. Mm. True. If you didn't do that, then it then then Scott's really not fighting for something. So there's a cliche, but at the same time, I thought it was cute. Yeah. And the little guys fighting on the on the carpet and the fucking yeah, that, that was that was cool. I enjoyed that. Um obviously the scene um that really turns the corner and maybe even helps everybody's relationships is the is when uh, Scott does go to the quantum realm mm-hmm. and somehow comes back. And that's huge because now Hank thinks, well, shit, if he could do it, then Janet can do it, too, because maybe she's still there. And that opens the door, obviously, for, you know, what we'll talk about in phase three. But mm-hmm. yeah, I thought they it. did. I thought they did a good job um, setting up multiple things in this setting up yes. for Wasp. Right. That's he's setting up for the Avengers mm-hmm. and in Ant-Man being tied in. And how will they use him? You know, because he's obviously mm-hmm. kind of reluctant, like he's not only making this choice, he's also not someone like diving into this life, like, you right. know, head first. So is he even going to continue? You know, is this it? Yeah. Like it, it really blows me away thinking about this movie in particular, um, and how they use it, um, especially in end game. And it's just, it, it makes me all like giddy. Like that's why I love like this whole universe is the way that they've interconnected this. Like, what we've even said, like this B movie and this world that we've set up, this plot point ends up becoming very important way later down the road. So that's one of the reasons why I love it. Mm. You're right. Every movie ends up being important in these, right? I mean, it's yes. Everything ties in at some level mm-hmm. to something else. Something that happens always comes back. So, yeah, it's it was really well done that they end up setting up the idea of the quantum realm now for mm-hmm. later. Yep, and you would not realize it at the time, but mm-hmm. yes, right. right. Yep, it all makes sense looking back. Yep. Um. All right. I think that's pretty much it. Do we have any thoughts uh, on just the poor, ending? Poor Anthony. Um. That was Anthony, uh, yeah. Poor, yeah. It sucks. Yes. Died a hero. Um. No, what it was we, a good. What yeah. do you think about Scott and um, Hope getting together? Yeah, I mean that was obvious. Yeah, yeah. You, you saw that coming. It works. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. Okay. I don't love it. I don't hate it. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they were obviously going to follow in the footsteps of Ant-Man and Wasp being a couple. I mean, right? Yeah. I, I thought it was a really good introduction to the character. I would say it probably exceeded expectations. I'm guessing for most people going in. Um, obviously, it sounds like it ex- exceeded um, payout. Mm-hmm. You know, it did better than they expected there. And uh, no, I, I just thought it was really well done uh, across the board. I thought Paul Rudd is awesome um, as a character. I think he makes the character uh, pop. Like, I don't know too many other that could maybe really have dove in like he did and, and made that work. Yes. So um, I thought they did a good job. I like the comedy aspect. Again, it's something we don't see a ton of in these movies. The heist part was good, too. So um, that's what I look for in these kind of non-group movies mm-hmm. is you just want them to have a you know good baseline and a good story. We should probably talk about the post-credit scenes. Okay. Um, yep. I did not uh, rewatch those. Which ones were they? Okay, the first one, um, uh, Hank gives Hope his the updated Wasp suit. Right. As like a, finally trusting her, you mm-hmm. know, you can help, we can help get Mom back. I think he kind of alludes to that after what Scott did in the Quantum Realm. So that was the mid-credit. The end credit had nothing to do with the movie, really, but it looks us ahead to the next movie. Um, Steve and Sam are with Bucky oh, in yeah. the basement, and he says, what are we going to do with him? Or, you know, well, we can't call Tony, and we'll get to why next episode. And they, and then Steve goes, but I know someone who can, and then the credit, and then it's over. So, so one has to – the one is kind of a continuation emotionally of Ant-Man, and then the other one is a complete – has nothing to do, except Sam's in it, has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, Unless the person he's, I don't know, you know, we don't know who he's alluding to, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of a prelude to what we're going to see, what we'll talk about in the next episode. Yeah, decent uh, mid and post credit scene there. Yeah, no, it works out for both. Especially like the, yeah, you know what, I especially like the one with Hope, because Mm -hmm. I sort of bitched about her character um, throughout, you know, much of the movie. She doesn't, get really a payoff in the movie proper as much as they're sort of setting her up as the most competent one, even though her dad, uh, like thinks of Scott as expendable. So he's not going to let her do this stuff. Like a better resolution would be like her convincing Hank, no, I'm really the most qualified. It should be me doing this, but it's not our movie. So we can't do that. So at least we give her, at least we give her like kind of a consolation prize and that, that, uh, Mid credit scene, getting the um, well, I think too what you can realize is you need you need more than one of you right to do this job probably um the Ant Man thing so maybe it's a yeah of course you can do it well and and do a great job but it would it would be helpful to have someone with her doing this just like her dad and mom did together and it's a vote of confidence in her yeah absolutely yeah. it is it's that I can trust you and I have yeah exactly she's not being you know protected. Because he's afraid of what would happen, he realizes anymore. Exactly. No, she. He trusts her to get the job done now. Because we, you know, Scott just gave us a a ray of hope. (laughs) No pun intended. Um, So. All right. So, how about some awards? Uh, Awards. Awards. Um, Favorite character, Scott. Other than the main. Yes. Okay. I like Tank. Actually, Um, I'm a big. I've always been a big Michael Douglas fan, and I thought that was a good. I don't think we really got into it totally, but I thought it was a good casting choice because um, he has that gravitas as an actor to kind of counter Tony in the, well, Tony's not the only genius smart ass in this universe. 
we have another guy who had, takes it from another perspective, but is also kind of arrogant in his own way. And I think I think that worked out well. So I liked I liked him a lot in that role as Hank. Luis all day. Luis was the best. Luis. Um, he was awesome. Honestly, well, he was kind of like the soul of the movie. Um, kept things light, but was there for Scott when he needed him and kept things moving. My my biggest issue with Hank was I found him counterproductive to his goals. Uh like by being a little bit less of an asshole and close to the vest, he probably could have gotten things done a little bit quicker right. um, because he was such a curmudgeon. And I get, I'm not saying it was wrong that he was given everything he's been through. Um, I just think it didn't help at all along the way. So right. I think, um, yeah, I see that. You know, I, I think he's, you know, could have been less of an asshole and probably gotten what he wanted done a little bit easier. But uh, to me, I, I like, I like the Weiss a lot. I thought he, he was good. Yeah. He was good. Where are you at, Tim? Uh, hmm. I think I'm going to say Hank also just because I have a low-key big hog for Michael Douglas, so <laughs> I'll just... <laughs> and I like how flawed his character is in this. I, yeah, I totally agree definitely. with what Justin said, but I, I don't know. I, I, it sort of works for me. And um, yeah, I just like Mike Douglas. So there you go. Yeah, I'm going to go with Hank as well, I think. Uh, that uh, daddy-daughter relationship thingy is probably going to always went out for me least favorite <laughs> character justin uh um i don't think anyone really jumped out i mean i guess just cross i guess i guess that a process elimination um i don't know low-key maybe hope uh just because of the way they mm. all the stuff we talked about earlier mm. with the way she's presented but um we'll go cross for being Stop. a great value stain <laughs> um I gotta go with uh the ex wife. She really brought nothing to the table in this movie. She really didn't. The daughter called the shots in that house. She was just there. She was useless. Bobby Cannavale came out didn't turn out to be more uh, useful in that in that house than uh than the ex wife did. Scott, I mean Tim, you agree? Um cliche, Tim. <laughs> Wet blanket ex wife, cliche. <laughs> I don't know. I kinda I kind of feel the same way about hope, but I also like they pull it up towards the end. Like they uh, do, they do enough to really save save her from this terrible award category for me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say hope. Ah, oh. she could have been handled much better. I think it's more the usage of hope than hope. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I think we're on is. the same page. Yeah. Isn't that weird how we always say that about women's roles? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's, it's always. I mean, that's less what we've said about a lot of these women characters. But um, I'm gonna say. Do you her think from that's that. an us problem or a or a problem with the movie? I, I don't know. Uh, and that's not a leading question. I genuinely am curious. No, I mean, I feel like. What you guys have said is accurate, so um, I just—it just makes me sad. It, well, anyway. I, I think she's really good in the next one. I just right. think, it's, yeah, I yeah. just think she's almost too developed. Like to like, what does the suit give her? You know, I mean, obviously the closure and all that, right. but like, right. like it doesn't feel like it adds a lot to her. Like she needed some flaw. Like I feel like they almost didn't give her. I guess maybe the flaw was that she wanted to be it, and I don't know, like. It was nothing that it helped, you know? Gotcha. And it just kind of feels like the movie is trying to 
have it both ways with with her character where she's you know this hyper competent competent you know should be calling all the shots getting shit done but we're not gonna let her do that it's not her movie so it's it's just sort of this weird kind of back and forth that they do maybe if she had like you know maybe it's something where she um had tried it and fucked up yeah and he yeah. took it away from her because she was like too overzealous instead of him mm-hmm. just assuming she will be right mm-hmm. so maybe the story is like the backstory is that he had lied to her for all these years he finally let her try it and she almost got caught right or something like that and then mm-hmm. he got he got scared again because it almost happened again and because she was and now she has to learn to not be as overzealous something like that maybe yeah i could see that sure i like that mm-hmm. um Look at us rebooking this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trust us with the B movie, but nothing else. I know, right? Um, it's hard for me to pick a least favorite, but I guess I will go with the Judy Greer, even though that hurts because I like mm. her a lot. But I do too. I do too. Yeah, she was but kind of. She was so we hate women. We've established. For we do. This... We hate all women, obviously. Yeah. Not the same woman, just all women. No, just all the women. Um, best scene. Justin? Probably that initial when he shrinks. Yeah, the bathtub scene is what I call it. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. I love that. I think it's great. I agree. The battle in uh, the be- the battle in the kids' yeah, room is pretty good. Yeah, too. the kids' room is pretty great, too. Yeah. I'll go with bathtub scene also. <laughs> um, although, runner-up, when Darren Cross turns the guy into goop in the bathroom. Yes, I do. <laughs> actually really like it. It was cold. Yeah. It was yeah, cold. I love that. Uh, did we have any more here? <laughs> no, I guess we're just going to... Possible question answer. Yeah, grade it, right? Grade Rank it. it. Rank it. Um, grade it, JT. Um, so I liked it a lot. Uh, I kind of have my tiering grades now, mm-hmm. where like something big has to happen to drive the overarching story to like crack a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of have the grading system of like these intro movies. So I went eight out of a 10. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very good. I thought they did a nice job. Like I said, they overachieved. I, I think the universe could have existed without this movie. So mm-hmm. that is why I kind of rank it a tier below the big ones. Um, but I liked it better than say, you know, like the first Thor, um, right. I guess slightly better than the first Captain America. And that's maybe because they're kind of learning. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was an easy watch. Uh, it was, you know, a smooth one. So, yeah, it was just a good movie. And I think they have room to grow and improve. So that's why I have it where I have it. Tim? I am going to give it a 7, which sort of sounds damning considering my, my grades up to this point. But it's not really. I think it's just when you actually get down into the rankings and – I am admittedly like thinking ahead a little bit to some subsequent films. Mm. That seven is going to put this like basically right in the middle of the pack, which I think is about where it belongs. It it just it's a really good solid movie for what it is. Nice introduction to the character, but doesn't show us a whole lot that we haven't really seen before. Um, and it does have its flaws. I mean, we've done quite a bit of rebooking for this one um which we tend not to do for i feel like the stronger mm. films in this franchise and uh yeah it, it just it it feels like seven is about right for it which also gave iron man two 
a seven, and I I think I like this a skosh more than Iron Man two, but they okay. both get seven. Scott, um, I I agree with Tim that I mean I like this movie a lot. I, it's very hard to grade it higher than some of the weightier films. I think Justin's whole point of tearing is is big. Um, but having said that, this was a good, funny, lighted, lighthearted heist movie that gave us a hint of what's to come. Um, I think the best part about this movie is that they put it in a perfect slot in the timeline. Age of Ultron was very heavy, and, and we're going to get more heavy Avengers movies. Um, emotionally, um, action-wise, uh, just, you know, character-wise, you got a ton of heavyweights in that movie. It was nice to kind of have one that that was... And I like how Marvel kind of would do this from here on out, where they would do the heavy movies in the spring and the light movies in the summer. Having said that, I think I think the movie's really great. I don't put it at the level of the ones I graded above it, but I liked it a lot. It's I like it a little better than Tim, so I'm going to give it a seven and a quarter. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably <laughs> just I might I might I have a feeling we're all going to feel this way, but I think we may like the sequel better. But we'll get more to that I down was the line. I actually really like the the sequel, but we'll get to that down the line. Um, having said, I love the movie. The casting was great. The story was fun. Uh, you know, Tim, I'm not disagreeing with you, Tim, that the cliche that there aren't cliches. I wasn't, but unfortunately, there's really nothing else you can do there. I suppose, um, and maybe they weren't trying enough to care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, to yeah. to Jr.'s point that that you know it's the B movie, so why really do that much legwork? But in any event, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, and it was a good way to introduce the character without really leaning on us like the last movie did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much like you guys. Um, loved it for the same reasons. Paul Rudd um, is Ant-Man the way that Tony is Iron Man. So um, to for him to own that role and be amazing at it, um, I love the fight scenes. I love the the visual effects, um, the comedy. Um, I didn't get a little bit, but not too much. So I went seven and three quarters, mm-hmm. um, which is like just under my Iron Man, which is feels wow. right to me. So, all right. Um, ranking time. Uh, Scott, let's rank them. Okay. I'll start from uh, top to bottom so far. So, so far I have, um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, nine and three quarters. Uh, Iron Man, one, eight and a quarter. Iron Man, two, eight. Um, Captain America, the first Avenger, seven and three quarters. Guardians, seven and three quarters. Avengers, seven and a half. Thor, seven and a half. Ant-Man, seven and a quarter. Iron Man, three, seven. Age of Ultron, six and a half. Incredible Hulk, five and a half. And Dark World, four. Hmm, Tim. All right. I'm going to go worst to best. So, God, why do y'all do this to me? Well, we're gonna do Incredible Hulk last at a four, Thor, the Dark World, 6.25, Iron Man, the three at a six and a half, Iron Man, two at a seven, Ant Man, we just watched, also at a seven, but I like the seven I gave Ant Man more than the seven I gave Iron Man, two, Thor <laughs> at seven and three quarters. Avengers Age of Ultron gets an 8. Guardians of the Galaxy, 8.25. Captain America, the first Avenger, 8 and 3 quarters. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, 
gets a 9. Iron Man, the original, 9.25. And the Avengers, I gave a perfect 10. <laughs> Justin. Would you like... All right, I'm going to go from worst to best. God damn it. <laughs> Great. Uh, my worst one. is Incredible Hulk at 4. Uh, Thor the Doo Doo Shit World at 7. <laughs> I'll say Cap- someone would say. Captain America the First Avenger at 7 and 3 quarters. Uh, Iron Man 1 at an 8. Thor at an 8. And Ant-Man at an 8. Wow. So controversial rankings, I'm sure. Mm. Are those how things. you would rank all of your 8s? No, I would go... Uh, Thor, then Ant-Man, then Iron Man would be the ranking of my eights. And then I have Iron Man 2 at eight and a half. Iron Man 3, my most controversial movie thus far, from what I'm told, eight and three quarters. Uh, then I have Avengers at nine, Guardians at nine, which I think I'd have in that order, Guardians higher. And then Age of Ultron, nine and a quarter, and Winter Soldier, the perfect ten for me. All right, I'm going to go in the correct order, which is one to ten. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. It goes Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Guardians, Iron Man 3, Avengers, Iron Man, Thor, Ant Man, Iron Man 2, Captain America, Thor 2, The Doo Doo Shit Planet, and Hulk. And you gave Hulk a 2, which is great. I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for just I did. So, overall grades, uh, probably not a shock. I'm the highest at 8.1. Uh, I think, shockingly, Tim, you are second at 7.6. It is kind of shocking. Jenny at 7.4, and Scott at 7.2. Yeah. The low. Which, Jenny, you think you'd be the low because of the two in there, but... But I've, I've been higher on uh, yeah. more, I think, than Scott mm-hmm. has. This may be the, the um, mid-tier mirage, I'm going to call mm. it. I think some of these. I think some of these averages are going to are going to shape up quite differently by the end. I agree with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. I've, I've surpassed. I think I could say, I think comfortably, this will be my lowest grade going forward. Maybe there might be one that's a little lower. But yes. Hmm. Okay. And, you know, you say that your Iron Man 3, you've been told, is your most controversial. Mm-hmm. I would disagree with that because Iron Man 3 seems like just, a divisive movie period where people either really enjoy it or really don't uh-huh. um, kind of polarizing. I think your most controversial grade is your Iron Man two at an eight and a half. Yeah. I recently had Aaron George was very angry at me for having yeah. Iron Man two. One. I would say that one. Most people don't have that movie. I think my problem, it, I, I, almost have, I almost have to throw out those early few because I just didn't understand yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Yep. I, I think it just gave. I think an eight felt real high to me, like on Iron Man one, um, right. when I was watching. And then just in the moment, I guess I like two better. But like, if I went back and regraded them, I'd probably have some differences. I think in those early ones, until I really started to figure out, like how I articulated where I have Ant Man, right? I right. kind of figured out my grading system now that I've seen each type, right? I've seen the intro movies, I've seen the sequels, and I've seen the Avengers, right? So I kind of now understand, like, all right, well, here are the buckets I'd put these types of things in. So. Looking back, I'd probably have Ant-Man, I mean, Iron Man 2, yeah, probably lower than where I have it. Well, that's the interesting part of doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. Seeing how we go. I'd kind of be interested in us, like, throwing out our number grades at the end and just putting in order our personal mm-hmm. 
rankings of the movies, irrespective of whatever number we gave it, right? right. Not even looking at that and seeing if it agrees mm-hmm. with the numbers. Ooh, okay. That'll be a you good You know what goal. I mean? Well, it makes sense that Jenny and I are the bottom or the bottom two because neither of us have dropped any perfects yet. Neither mm-hmm. of us have a 10 yet, so that's why. Well, I neither does Tim. Oh, yeah, Tim's got one. No, yeah, you, got you one. each have a 10, and her and I don't. But, I mean, I've got, trust me, once we get to phase three, I'll be throwing I'll be throwing 10s all over the place. Throwing 10s. So, yeah. yeah, so my, 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 my median average will go up considerably by the time we get to, uh, to the end. Okay. All right, sweet. Um, real quick, is there anything that you would like to plug before we go, Scott? Uh, follow me on Twitter at PTBPodfather, and... Uh, obviously check out uh, the place to be wrestling network all uh, all the awesome shows that are on there tim uh i have guest starred or um will soon guest star on <laughs> evolution the podcast on place to be nation wrestling which is a wrestler spotlight show uh so i'm gonna be I, i'll go ahead and tell the world i've chosen my subject as diamond dallas page Kelsey Breeze, I know, nice. but uh, one of my Perfect. faves, and yeah, be talking about that on Place B Nation wrestling feed, uh, which you can find, if not now, then very, very soon. Justin? Yep, JT the Pod Guy on Twitter, uh, North South Connection Podcast Network, just subscribe, uh, leave a review and rate us, that'd be appreciated as well, we have content at least five days a week, um, some really cool podcasts that cover the gamut in the world of wrestling. From TNA to ECW to the Monday Night Wars to the Ruthless Aggressive era, like this all across the board. We also have a lot of um, some pop culture stuff, too, whether it's comics, uh, rank shows and uh, TV stuff. So lots of cool stuff every day, pretty much at the North South Connection. Okay. I am at Jenny Position on Twitter and my wrestling shows on the Place Be Nation feed and North South Connection are there to be enjoyed by all. Uh, also here on this feed, you can listen to Bianca's First Time. We watch Still Magnolias. And also I was a guest on Second Print Comics. We did a X-Men draft and... Uh, Controversial. No, I kicked ass soundedly in that, so... Um, the picks, some of the picks were controversial. Not mine, mine were amazing. No, yours Yes. So listen to that, <laughs> it's called Second Print Comics, uh, and follow us all on Twitter, and thank you for listening to the Journey Through